Hello and welcome back to Your Parenting Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bamford. Um, this is going to be episode 31. Uh, moving right along. Um, a little over a week since the last one. Uh, let's just jump right in. I uh, have a uh, second edition of a new segment that I call This Week in Parenting. Um, I grabbed an article off of Health Day Reporter by Serena Gordon. Um, it's called Many Youngsters Aren't Ready for Kindergarten. Um, first of all, no one says youngsters unless you're 80. That was a text message. I'm sorry. Um, anyways, it starts off, uh, I, you know, I highlighted a few passages yeah, I got a few talking points. I'm just kind of winging it. Hopefully you guys, you know, like this segment for the second time. Brings a little seriousness to the, the silliness that is this podcast. Um, I usually try to be a little more organized and not jump into this thing so fecklessly. Um, all right, it says uh, the start of school is just around the corner. The leading pediatrician's group warns that many kids entering kindergarten lack the skills they need to succeed in class. I mean, yeah, of course the kids have to be ready. It's like, do they have, you know, some kind of impulse control? You know, are they potty trained? Most schools won't even take the kids if they're not potty trained. I mean, some, and people can, can easily overlook this point. You know, if diapers or toilet training is already kind of ingrained into the daily routine, it's like you don't really think about and all of a sudden you got to send your child off for, you know, three, four, you know, six, seven hours, depending on how long the, the kindergarten is. Um, the second point uh, says, uh, next section, what is important, she said, is that parents instill in children a love of learning, enjoyment of books, early literacy, early, early, oh man, early literacy. Apparently I need some of that. Appropriate play, learning to self-regulate and interact with peers and adults. I definitely agree with this. Um, but, I mean, not every child is going to love books and reading. I mean, some kids just, their whole lives, I mean, they can be, you know, have great successful lives, but they're just not readers. They just don't like to sit down with a book. Um, you know, and if your kids aren't really into books, um, like Logan, my middle child, he's not really that into books. But it's like you try something else, like he loves, you know, sticker books. You know, you can try comic books or, you know, flashcards or educational games. I mean, there's plenty of ways to kind of get them to almost trick them into reading. I've even heard the, uh, you know, find the favorite cartoon and, and put it on mute and turn the subtitles on so they got to read the words. Um... Yeah, I mean, and the appropriate play are also very important because um, that lack of self-control is what's used to, to paint some kids as bad kids. You know, it's like, might not necessarily be their fault. You know, it's like maybe they haven't been taught correctly. Maybe the parents don't know how to, to teach them or haven't yet, you know, found something that works. You know, it's like, because every kid is different and, you know, disciplining is very different for each kid. You know, I've read plenty of studies and articles and even seen firsthand you know, how an only child may have difficulty sharing and playing with other kids. 
You know, it's like it's not their fault, especially if they've had little or no experience around other kids. Uh, next part says, you know, don't worry, we're not recommending drilling your kids with flashcards. Do things you enjoy, play with them, read with them. Uh, one example is preparing dinner. Uh, talk to your children about what you're doing and let them help when possible. You can talk about which foods are healthy or point out the colors of different foods. You know, make it a learning experience. And this can be fun. I'm not really seeing anything wrong with the flashcards. You know, if your child responds to them, you know, some kids just aren't feeling it. Maybe make educational games that are things they already enjoy. I mean, Grayson has a, a notebook of Pokemon names he decided on his own to write out. And now, granted, his penmanship, you know, is somewhat lacking. But he's six years old. You know, he's in first grade. But just if you see his penmanship, you know, this year as compared to even, like, even six months ago. You know, this is a, a huge improvement. Um, and it's just, you know, writing out those Pokemon names. Half of those I can't even pronounce. He just, you know, practice writing out. He used to have that little kid way where every letter was giant and took up half the page. And, and then, like, the last three letters would be tiny because he couldn't fit. But, uh, you know, now that's that's much better. That's something that he likes. You know, he loves talking about, you know, the Pokemon. It's um, the other thing. He, he wants to start doing YouTube videos. I know there's, you know, a billion YouTubers out there, and it's almost like a hobby. And at the risk of sounding like an old man, I'm just, I'm not really against it, but it's just, I don't know. YouTube is, is pretty toxic. Now, I have to really look into it. I mean, maybe if I could find a way to turn off the comments on whatever videos he wants to post, because that's usually where people are terrible. I mean, he's done a couple of, you know, little videos for the family. And he did one the other day where he was just talking about, you know, Pokemon, you know, Doing like this little sticker exercise. It was super cute. He had a, a lot of fun. I'm just... Maybe I'm just paranoid about putting him on the internet. I just... Because I just don't want... Because people can be... Ten times as cruel as they already are... When they have that mask of anonymity that the internet gives them. So it's you know, something we're still thinking about. Um... Next point, um, one major stumbling block in getting kids ready for school, the article says, is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. These children were 21 times more likely to have problems with school readiness compared to kids without the disorder in news none of the study found. And this one, I don't know. Like so many people are so ready to attach a, a syndrome or a diagnosis on their kids and some people, just the opposite. You know, they don't want to, you know, they're so afraid of having something wrong with their children. They don't give the children the treatment they need if they need it. I mean, I've probably even been guilty of it. You know, Logan exhibits some signs of ADHD. It's like he also is four and he likes to drink a lot of apple juice. I mean, who knows how much his personality will evolve over the next few years. I mean, I have an issue with early diagnosis... I mean, it's not just a blanket we can throw over a group of kids and say they have that because of this one thing. I think it needs to be more of a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, you know your own kids. You know, you know the, the beha what behavior is normal for your kids. You know, usually parents are the first ones to notice a change. 
you know, obviously don't ignore if, you, if you're really concerned. But it's like some kids are just shy. Some kids just talk a lot. You know, some kids have trouble focusing. You know, that's just, you know, there's no reason they can't stand out and just be themselves. You know, like they don't all have to be these cookie cutter perfect shapes that are all the same. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you got a kid that's just a fucking weirdo. You know, and it happens. And he's happy being a weirdo and it's not hurting anybody, him being a weirdo. You know, just let him be. But I mean, like I said, if it's something that you're concerned, like you, you know, you, you lay awake at night thinking about, you know, maybe that's something you bring up to the pediatrician. And, you know, if a kid won't, if he has trouble finishing a meal because he wants to talk about superheroes, it's like, that's not ADHD. But we'll continue with the, uh, the article. Um, it's important to make sure your kids are socially ready for school. Can they sit still and be generally well-behaved? Phones and other screens can be greatly distracting. Think in terms of a restaurant. You might give your kid a phone just to get some peace and quiet, but that means they don't have the chance to develop self-control. There's also a loss of socialization. Um, they recommended limiting screen time. Some parents use screen time effectively as a reward, but that should be limited. Young children need to learn basic skills and how to interact with other people. The only way you learn self-regulation is what's appropriate. Behavior is through practice and learning from other people. Um, all in all, you know, it was a decent article. Uh, but this is another thing that needs to focus more on the individual. Individual parents will know if their child isn't quite ready. Um, or if, you know, they have some impulse control issues. I mean, I do agree that the socialization is important. That's how they learn to share and build friendships. You know, those who know me know that I'm not, you know, afraid of screen time with my kids, you know, as long as it's regulated and not used as an electronic babysitter. Um, the last point is valid also. Sometimes telling a child the rules over and over and over doesn't get anywhere. You know, they need to see that good behavior in action. You know, they need to see other kids exhibiting that good behavior. And conversely, they also need to see the bad behavior as well. Hopefully not in your own child, but, you know, see how other kids act and, you know, get punished for it if they act out, you know, as long as the punishment is appropriate. They can kind of store that away in their brains is, is what not to do, you know. So that was this week in parenting. Hope you guys still like that segment. It was fun kind of doing the research for it. it. Made me feel like a real, I don't know, podcaster. I don't know what the what you would say. But uh, moving on to the next topic, Star Wars. Oh, that's right. Yours truly got a invite to a sneak peek preview of the new Galaxy's Edge Star Wars attraction at Disney which I believe opens to the public on August, I want to say either the 22nd or the 24th. Um, they had this deal going where there's cast members can invite a guest. You pick, you know, you have to sign up for a certain time slot on certain days. Um, they had about maybe 75% of the park, this area open. Um, it was, you know, I was taken there by uh, my sister-in-law who works for Disney uh, she knows that I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. And 
I, I, can, I don't even know where to start. I mean, this place is my childhood. Um, and if you follow me on Facebook, I did put some pictures on Facebook. I'll see if I can't throw a couple on Instagram uh, or Twitter. But, uh, I mean, the place is is amazing. I mean, it has its own storyline within the Star Wars universe. You know, the the land, it's, it's part of Hollywood Studios, like similar the way like t- the Toy Story area is. Um, but you go in there, I mean, everything is full immersion. Like the trash cans look like they belong in Star Wars. Everybody's in costume. All the employees, everybody's role-playing. They say Star Wars-y phrases. Um, you're on the uh, the story. Go. It even has, like I think, a four- or five-volume comic book series that talks about this place, a planet's called Batu, and the area is called the Black Spire Outpost. And it's this kind of melting pot of you know smugglers and merchants and tradesmen you know, there's there's stormtroopers, there's the resistance. Um, I mean, I I was at a loss for words at going in there. I mean, it's even like the like the food is Star Warsy. Like the menus are all you know crazy. There's this Star Wars language that's on everything. The language itself is called Arabesh, <laughs> and they're handing out on the little programs for it the little code to the back where you can kind of decode the things it says. But you go to like the couple of restaurants that are in there and it'll say, you know, it's like you look at the menu and it's like, you know, have yourself a Ronto wrap. And underneath it, it'll say, you know, like beef fajita, you know, and you go to another place and it's like, have a steaming rack of, you know, yab yabs and it's, you know, pork ribs. And which is everything like that is, um, is pretty awesome. Um, it doesn't really even doesn't even feel like a Disney park in a good way. Um, it's just you're just in that world. Um, I mean, they have you know spaceships sitting out. There's an X wing. There's an A wing. You know, a couple of the uh, the speeders. Um, the the best part for me, they there is a full size. Uh, Millennium Falcon. And I mean full size like full size. Like you can walk in a circle around it. It is the full size of the ship as it is in the movies. Um, They had a little barrier around the bottom and had uh, Chewbacca at one point walking around taking pictures of people. Um, I think eventually you're going to be able to go in there and walk around the ship. I mean... Because you walk over... You're going down this little path. There's this little open market area. I'll try to post a picture of it in the, either the show notes if I can figure that out, or if you know on Instagram. Um, but there's like this market where you can, you know, smell these these crazy foods, and they sell these little, you know, toy you know creatures and then clothing and and then, and then you go over this little hill and like and the Millennium Falcon is right there, and it's like I admit. Got a little choked up. I just it kind of took my breath away because I wasn't expecting it, and I just I wanted to just walk around it in circles over and over, like I could reach down and touch it. Like you can see the engines glowing in the back of it. You feel like it's gonna take off any second. And then they uh, they have the ride, 
which is like nestled in this little mountain thing behind it. And there was like no no line, pretty much. You know, you just walk in there because like you know it was like a cast only exclusive thing. But like we we were walking for a good three to five minutes to get to the front of the line, and that was walking at a normal walking pace. So you can only imagine how long this line is going to be. I mean, you're probably looking at a three-hour line, you know, when it's full of people. Because this ride, I think there may be two um, pods or cockpits. Because you go in there six at a time. You're in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And there's, you know, two pilots in the front, two gunners in the middle, and two engineers in the back. And each person during the ride does things like the pilot does stuff and you have limited control over the ship. It's, a, it's like a similar to Star Tours, but you can actually maneuver the ship around a little bit inside the thing like a video game. Not like go wherever you want, but, you know, within a limited space, you know, you dodge stuff and you move around obstacles. And then the gunners, like at certain points, they'll be like. Oh, yeah, take out the TIE fighters, and you're hitting the little buttons on the side to shoot the, the ships, and the engineers shoot the harpoons. And you're just trying to catch this cargo thing. Um, the first time I went on, because I got to go on it twice, I was a, a gunner, uh, which was, was pretty fun. Um, and after you know, walking around and seeing some stores, and which I'll, I'll circle back to, but I, uh, I was like, you know what, let's go on the ride again. And they have a, a line where you go as groups and they have a single rider line. Because, you know, they always go in groups of six. They like to keep every chair filled. Um, so I, you know, hooked up with this other group. And I was going to being an engineer. And there was this guy who, you know, his nerdiness put mine to shame. And I just said, dude, I was like, can I please be the pilot? Let me trade with you. Because they give you these little cards when you walk into the group. Okay, you're a pilot, you're a gunner, you're an engineer. And I said, just, you know, just let me just this one time, you know, please be the pilot. He was like, yeah, sure, man. He's like, I've already been on this thing like 10 times. And then I got to sit in the in the pilot's chair of the Millennium Falcon. This is this this is the ship that was such a part of my life growing up. Like I can close my eyes and walk around it. And it was just like. Like, I was bouncing in the chair, waiting for it to start. It's, you know, probably the nerdiest and most fun thing that I've ever done. And, I mean, granted, I did terrible. I was running into everything. I couldn't dodge anything. But I got to pull the levers to make the ship go to light speed. It was like, I keep thinking in my head, as like, I'm flying the Millennium Falcon. And it was just, it was, you know, I'm going to remember it forever. Um... But they had, uh, like I said, they had most of the park open. There was going to be another ride that had a big turbo laser in front of it. And I saw the little estimated wait time signs. But they had it kind of covered up by bushes. That wasn't quite open yet. And there was a another big giant door that had the first order symbol on it. It was, I mean, obviously it's going to be something. Some kind of other part of the attraction. But it was closed off. Um, I did get a... Uh, a picture with Kylo Ren. Um, he was actually quite intimidating. And like the guy doing the voice inside the suit. Um, sounded just like him. And all of a sudden he was like. You're waiting in line to take the picture. 
and uh, you know you have to wait, and then you get ready to go around the corner, and there's room also, and he just steps in front of me, and I kind of fangirled out a little bit for a second. But then, like all of a sudden, he's just real intense. But it was uh, it was really cool. And the uh, the story, I mean, the immersion. I just I can't mention it enough. It's like it just doesn't feel like any of the other Disney parks. You know, like the Toy Story area was so much fun when we took the kids. Um, and you know, you go to somewhere like Tomorrowland is so much fun, but it's just it doesn't feel like another world the way the Star Wars one does. And I can only imagine. You know, when they open it fully and they have everything about it going on. I mean, Disney is pretty much going to collect all of Earth's money with this uh, with this area. Um, I do highly, highly recommend it. It was so much fun. Uh, thank you to Natalia who was able to get me in. Um, I'm going to have to, like, you know, buy her the best Christmas presents the rest of my life. But it was, uh, it was so awesome. Um... All right, moving on. As much as I would love to talk about Star Wars all night. What's happening in my life? I, you know, People will probably know more if I put more in social media, but it's... Uh, social media is just... It's a love-hate thing. I mean, I just... I'm not on it that much. Maybe as much as I would like to. It just... You know, most of it just kind of irritates me. As much as I would love to be on it more. It's like I feel like the, you know, the people that get kicked off of Facebook end up on the toxic Twitter. <laughs> and it's like, and some of it is because there's no, like, middle ground. It's like, you have, like me, where you hardly post anything, or the people that post, like, a thousand pictures a week of their kids. And it's, like, I get it. You know, it's like, I love my kids, too. You know, I, I should probably take more pictures of them, but it's like... Not to show the internet, but just, you know, because phone storage is easy now. Or photo storage is easy now. Um, usually, you know, I don't know. I just, it's not even like the putting the kids on the internet thing. It's just, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's my generation. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't feel the need to share, you know, my entire life. Usually I do, you know, the social media to promote this show. Into, you know, share funny memes. Sometimes I'll even talk about parenting. But, uh, I just, I don't know. The people that take like a million pictures of the kids, it's like, you know, I understand. Yeah, listen, I'm going to give a pass to the first time parents because everything is new and exciting. And it's like, you know, oh my God, he rolled over. It's like, oh my God, he's growing a tooth. You know, it's like, I get it. You know, and parenting can be wonderful. Yeah, like when Logan said he didn't want to go to preschool because he said he would miss me too much. You know, or when they just come up and give you a random hug for no reason. Sometimes parenting can be terrible. Yeah, you know, like when they're sick, or when they're hurt, or when your two-year-old runs in the bathroom right as you get out of the shower and he tries to give you the Irish steam whistle by yanking on your testicles. The point is, kids aren't for everybody, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's okay. So I've had people that don't have children tell me about how men and women, mostly women, but get this pressure, usually from their mothers. You know, when are you going to have kids? I want some grandkids. And this is, and I've told it before. It's like, 
it's okay to not want kids. You know, it's it's not for everybody. Um, if you like, if, put it this way: if you like the way your life is right now, if you think right now your life is super awesome and you're happy, then don't have kids. Because for better or for worse, your life will change. Most people would agree with me when I say it changes for the better. But you can't, in my opinion, be a good parent and maintain the kind of life you had when you were childless. Again, in my opinion. You know, I love having a family. You know, they're always my favorite people to hang around. You know, I love making them happy. You know, it's like we, we bring the kids to Disney and it's kind of fun for us. You know, it's mostly for the kids. Unless I'm going to the Star Wars one, which is weird, I admit, to be at Disney without the kids. But it's just mostly for the kids. It's like, I don't want to stand in line when it's 96 degrees outside to meet a character they've seen a hundred times. But the pure joy on their faces, you know, when they see the same character, just kind of makes you want to endure it, you know? Speaking of the weather, let's talk about it. I, mean, I don't know if... If bitching about the weather, you know, makes me an old guy or just makes me a Floridian. And I'm sure it's because we're slowly ruining the planet. But it's like, you know, when I would love for it to be cooled off, like when I'm mowing the lawn right afterwards, I would love for it, like, love for it to fucking rain because it's, I'm about to have a heat stroke wearing my stupid hat. But it's like, no, it's going to be 97 degrees. You know, and then when I, you know, it's like, okay, it's real hot. Let's go to the pool, right? As you put on your fucking bathing suit, here's the thunderstorm. Because it's not just rain. It's like a thousand lightning strikes a minute. And that's Florida for you. It's like it's supposed to be the sunshine state. And it's either not like a nice day with some sunshine. It's like it's melanoma or it's a fucking hurricane. Just, I know deep down, Florida's not that bad. But it's like every time I hear one of those Florida Man stories on the news or like on Reddit, there's a whole subreddit called Florida Man. All these crazy stories that people in Florida do. It's like, it makes me cringe a little bit. And it's like, you know, we got the theme parks and, you know, I spent most of my life here. You know, we you know, did move to North Carolina for couple of years. Um, but this is, I guess, my home. As much as I would love to go back to North Carolina. But since I've already decided that I'm never moving again, I guess I'll just have to stay in Florida until we ruin the planet enough where it becomes unlivable. Because that climate change that Trump thinks is a hoax... I mean, listen, I'm no scientist. I'm no rocket surgeon. All I know is that it gets hotter every fucking year. And it's like, oh, this was the, the hottest July on record. It's like, oh, that's what this said last year. Like, yeah, but this one was hotter. And the year before that, you know, it's, it gets hotter every time. And next year, probably going to be fucking hotter. But, you know, it rains you know, every day from May to fucking September. Which is why my goddamn yard is flooding. 
Don't get me started on that shit. The builder even told me, oh, the yard's not going to flood. You know, how soon can I complain? Well, two days after a rain event, if the water is still there. I was like, from May to September of Florida is a rain event. It, what about, it rains weeks at a time, every single day. Yeah, it may not rain all day, but it rains enough to flood my fucking yard. I had to take a video and put it on Instagram. Me just slushing in the puddles in my backyard that are not supposed to be there. So I'm going to go through the process of you know, going through the warranty, submitting a claim for it. I might talk to a, uh, <clears throat> a landscaper in the neighborhood that uh, stated that one of their clients took I want to say almost four months to get these drains installed. But it's like, this is going to be our forever home. So you better believe I'm going to fight that good fight. I believe they're called French drains. Oh, and I, um, when I talked to these landscapers, it was we were going to have them, because I, I was getting ready to mow the lawn, which you can imagine me you know, looking like a sweaty marshmallow peep in my stupid hat, you know, trying to mow the lawn, and I see these people across the street, professional you know, landscapers, lawn mowers, whatever you call them, you know, at first, you know, they quoted me a price of 30 bucks. I was like, you know, let me go find a fucking cash machine or, a, you know, Venmo or Cash App or PayPal or whatever it is. Then uh, they said, well, you know, we can't get the riding lawnmower through the backyard. Why? Because of the fucking water. And uh, they were worried about tearing up the yard and the grass because the water was like shin deep. So they said, if we do the push mower, it'll be 50 bucks. I was like, no, I mean, that's a little much. Maybe when it dries up, we'll give you a call. You're nice people. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it myself. Um, so, you know, off and on, you know, trimming and mowing. And then first, my wife says, oh, this is, you know, if we had the garage door open, she had the back of the, uh, the traverse open. She was like, there's a giant wasp in the garage. You know, it keeps trying to get me as I'm trying to get the, the dog food. I said, you know what? I got this. Um, I go out there, I see the can of bee spray. I'm kind of, you know, stalking it like Elmer Fudd, waiting for it to land. And I get about three feet away when it finally stops. And I go to spray it, and the can just goes, like this little puff of smoke comes out because it was empty, and I didn't know. And apparently, if it's just that little puff, all it does is piss the wasp off. So then it dives bombs my face. I kind of instinctively swing the can at it. Also tripping over my own feet. I go tumbling out into my fucking driveway. Like a cartoon. You know, fucked up my elbow, my ribs. It was so stupid. So I was like, alright, whatever. So then I'm doing the, uh, the trimmer on the side of the house. There's a spot where the AC unit is. There's a gap between that and the gate of the fence where the lawnmower won't fit. But the grass grows really tall because the, uh, I don't know, I think it's the condenser that comes off the back of the AC where a little bit of water drips out. The weeds and grass always grow really tall there. Which means this weekend I'm probably cutting them a fucking again. And I saw like a twig or a hose or something down there. And I was brown and I reached down and just grabbed it. Um, it turned out to be a fucking snake. So I did that kind of high-stepping touchdown dance out to the front of the driveway. 
I just picked it up kind of by the tail and it just like, you know, shot out of my hand real quick into the backyard. I'm underneath the gate of the fence. Um, I didn't think, you know, why would a stick be there? Because there's no trees right there. Why would there be a hose there? Because there's no machinery there This would be connected to. I just, you know, I'm not the brightest. Um, so we have wasp, we have snake. Then I'm uh, in the backyard trimming along the edge of the fence on the inside. Um, we have the, uh, the white vinyl fence because I guess the HOA likes it when you focus all of the fucking heat onto your goddamn head as you're in the backyard because the white just reflects it. And I don't know how I was going, you know, listening to my music, going with the trimmer. Apparently I had my mouth open and then a large grasshopper jumped in my mouth. Um, at that point, I just wanted to throw the edge over the fence and just tell my wife, you know what, call them, call them back. I'll pay them 50 bucks. I don't give a shit. I don't care if they got five minutes worth of work. I'm not doing this ever again. Yeah, fighting with the extension cord on the thing. Ugh. I'm made for, like, a life of luxury. Not any of this, like, peasant work. Listen. If I win the lottery, everybody has their, their lotto dreams. You know, I've, uh, I've talked about winning the lotto many millions of times, probably mostly to myself. And it's like you have everybody has like their rules. They're like, okay, if I win this amount of money, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, if I win, you know, this might like you know, if you win, here's the way I see it. You win. Um, sorry, somebody's coming home. All these sound effects. You win like ten million or less. I don't really see that as you know, quit your job money. You definitely can can sort you the fuck out. You know, get you a new house, new cars. Still have some left over. Um, anything, you win one of those things where it's like $100 million. It's like, that's like the crazy money. And that's the one where you can, you know, buy yourself a crazy yacht. And uh, I used to play compulsively. I don't know if it was like, it was almost a gambling problem. But I wasn't like selling stuff to, to gamble. Yeah, but I was spending... Probably easily 50 bucks a week on scratch-off tickets, lotto tickets. This was back, you know, way, way back when I was, you know, single, no kids. Um, me and this guy, Fiore, who's this giant Italian guy. And I mean fucking giant, like seven feet tall, you know, almost 400 pounds like he was just a mountain. And his name was Fioravanta, which he told me was Italian for flower. Which I really hope that's true, and I've never verified it. But for the rest of my life, I'm going to believe that's what it was. And he was already retired. I forget what his, his trade was. But he worked in the hospital with me when I was doing hospital security. He works in the hospital overnight in the OR, um, cleaning and sterilizing the equipment. And he was always a night owl. He didn't mind working overnight. He was basically just working um, to take care of his mother who I think was about 300 years old, and she was so tiny she can sit on her shoulder like a fucking parrot. Um, she was super sweet. But you know, he got his retirement, you know, a pension, whatever it was. So the money he was making at the hospital was just extra, just play money. We would always, uh, 
you know, we don't usually we would play the big money games. We would play the same numbers so we can split it. You know, the Lotto, the Powerball, uh, you know, the Fantasy Five, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, and usually we you know we call each other or text each other. Um, and I remember there was one day he called me, Jeremy, did you play the numbers? And I was like, ah, oh, no, Fiori. He's like, I don't have any money. You know, I didn't have any cash. I didn't have time to stop. I was running late. You know, I'll, I'll catch the next one. You know, I just had a couple of scratch-offs left. He, he did that New York thing where they go, ah, kind of wave their hand. Um, fast forward that night till about, say, midnight. I'm doing just a, a routine security patrol through the hospital. And I hear something, this loud slam. And the Fiore comes flying out of the OR, screaming at the top of his lungs. He's crying. He sees me from, I don't know, 30 feet away. Jeremy, I hit the fucking fantasies, screaming it. This dude won, I want to say, $350,000. Um, which was just, you know, a crazy amount of money. I mean, he was, you know, I ran over to him. He gave me this giant hug that almost killed me. But he was just, you know, he's like, oh, now I can, you know, take care of my mother. We can go on these great vacations. You know, she doesn't have to worry about anything. I can make sure, you know, she's always worried about her funeral. I'll make sure she has a great service. And he was just, he was so excited. And it was just, there's, there's you know, everybody probably knows someone that deserves it. That deserves to have that kind of boon in their life. And he was definitely, he definitely deserved it. He was a good dude. Um, he was never into social media, so I doubt he's on any of it. But uh, I will definitely try to look him up. Because he, he was a good guy. Um, we're going to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you for all the support. Um, you can always email me at yourparentingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm on you know, most of the socials. Um, usually the email is the best way if you want to talk about the show or you want to send you know, parenting stories, articles, life hacks, or if you just want to chat. You know, I answer all the emails personally. I don't have any kind of employees. Um, anyway, thanks again for the support, and I'll talk to you again soon.